0: Welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weisland. Joining me as always, Garrett Sattler. How's it going, man?
1: Ben, very excited uh, for a lot of different things coming up this week. We've got pretty big unveiling coming up on uh, Wednesday, so uh, if you're a TSR reader, you uh, be sure to stay uh, in tune for that. they have been hyping that up the entire week. I've had, I've had coaches and people text me like, oh, is it this? Is it this? And it's not close, um, but it is kind of exciting to see what people uh, have going on. Uh, what I don't love is uh, having the Steelers lose to the Patriots in just because we couldn't score. And it's even worse because Wyatt, who is our producer on this, uh, is a Patriots fan. Oh, and no. he even texted me. He's like, dude, we're so bad. You're going to beat us. I was like, oh, I think we'll one up you. So, um sure enough, we are just that bad. Um but the good news is that I'm going to beat him in fantasy football. So, it all works out.
0: Hey, there you go. I will likely lose in fantasy unless the Eagles offense goes off this week, but uh, I good. mean, that could happen tonight. So, that that's what I'll be paying attention to. Um yeah, why being a Patriots fan? That's tough. Um <laughs> moving moving on from that, uh we had a lot of good results this weekend, this past weekend, um, we saw a few teams start their season in earnest. We, we, we haven't quite seen the full lineup of a lot of our, our top ranked teams, but we did get a little bit of a glimpse of how everybody's summer went and who's fit and, and where everybody is at this point in the season, which is always fun. Um, where do you want to start this week?
1: Well, where, where I want to start is uh, people leaving ratings and reviews, first off, all right? No ratings and reviews on Apple. Um, we get it. We had a little bit of a hiccup there, which wasn't even our, our fault. But Spotify think we're, what, up one there? So, okay, but come on, rookie numbers, let's get those up. Um, please leave a rating and review. It helps. I know I know people don't think it helps. It does. Um let, let's just start with the biggest meet uh, of there was of the weekend, or at least from from Friday, the Indiana coaching tree invite, which was like a super kind of a cool concept with all the coaches going back to Ron Helmer, who's grad—I was going to say graduating, who's retiring, uh, <laughs> who's retiring um, at the end of this academic year. Let's start with that because there was a lot of good results there.
0: Okay, yeah, and, and that was something I remember seeing that on Twitter and being like, "This is a really interesting group of teams." All united under the umbrella of of Helmer, which is fascinating. Let's start on the women's side, where we saw North Carolina take down a pretty good Georgetown team, who were who were missing Andrea Clayson Acadia, and Katie Ann McDonald, but still a, a very solid Georgetown team. Um, Indiana was third, and Villanova fourth in this race. Uh, individually, we saw Bryn Brown take home the win instant reaction for you from you on the women's race
1: uh bryn brown is really really good and this is about right and you know at, at first glance um i think you you look at these results and you think of course you know unc was probably the better team they were expected to win and they won soundly for the most part in a field that was relatively small um but as I, I, we were talking about this beforehand, you know, you look at some of the team scores and like, yeah, North Carolina had the top below stick, but you look at the second, third and fourth scoring positions, Georgetown was better there. And if Georgetown has Clayson or if they have Katie and McDonald, even if one of those two women ends up finishing 17th, then Georgetown still wins on a tiebreaker. So if I'm looking at this from a Georgetown perspective, I'm thinking, Man, like this is encouraging. I mean, I I mean, the UNC, we have ranked higher at uh, TSR number nine. And so for UNC to run a full lineup and then to basically, you know, have Georgetown be able to match them through, you know, a lot four runners, that's impressive.
0: Yeah. I think what I really liked from Georgetown this meet in particular was Chloe Scrimgeour finishing third, beating Maggie Donahue. I think that's a really good sign. If that can be a, a three-headed trio going throughout this the rest of this year, I feel really good about Georgetown because their depth, when you add Clayson or McDonald in, like you just really need one of them to pop because Grace Jensen looks really solid. She ran uh, her first cross-country race with the Hoyas and finished 10th, looked really strong. And I... I I, I just think that if Georgetown could have a front trio instead of a front duo this year, that changes the dynamics of their entire season.
1: I completely agree. you You begin to have um far less concern, like scoring influence on the back end of your lineup. when you can have uh, you know the the scoring influence of your lineup be predominantly three low sticks instead of three back end runners it swings points dramatically. Um, so I, I very much agree with her. I think Moore could be huge uh, for this team. And, and what, she was like, what third, third place yeah. here. So, I mean, she's beating some really good names like Halsey Harrington. No joke. Uh, Donahue, no joke. I, I don't actually know too much about uh, Nicole Venice there from Columbia, but Sasha, Naglia. you know, the list goes on and on and on. I, I don't, you know, usually I try not to overreact to these early season results, but if I'm Scrigmore, I mean, like she beat enough woman where I think I think she's legit. I think she's potentially another front runner that can be with Donahue and Corman. If not right up there, then maybe not too far behind.
0: I mean, she almost beat Corman too. She was only three-tenths mm-hmm. of a second behind her as well. Um, I and I just think that Scrimja is going to be the X Factor and someone that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on because if she can replicate that then I think we're going to see really good things from the Georgetown women. Uh, as for North Carolina, obviously they take home the win. I, I I don't love anything they did, but I don't think it was a bad race. I, I just think it was kind of like, eh. Like, I, I would have liked to see their back end a little bit further up. I would have liked to see Naglia a little bit closer to Harrington. But uh, overall, I think a very solid race.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're North Carolina, I don't think you can really take too much away. You went out, you got the win. Um, Great. I think they got the win more because of Georgetown's five more right. than anything else. But, um, I mean, like, this is what they were supposed to do. Um, and I think this lineup works well in a bigger field. I think. Um, I, a lot of it depends, though, on like how you feel about some of their low sticks. Like, if we think yeah. Bryn Brown's going to be a top 40, top 30 woman. And right now we have her ranked, I think, at 42 in our individual rankings. You know, they they need a little bit more of a scoring spark. The good news with Brown is that I think when you win a race like this, you're very comfortably in the All-American conversation. So I'll actually just say this now. Who's the better team right now, UNC or Georgetown?
0: I think right now Georgetown is. I I don't, I, I I, I think North Carolina probably has the higher upside because I I just feel a little bit more comfortable with their depth, but, and I, I feel like Naglia and Harrington can continue to improve and and be a little bit closer to Brown as the season goes on. But right now I, I think it's pretty clearly the Georgetown women,
1: which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think a lot of it's the squigmore factor, like we've already mentioned, but, um, yeah, man, it's it's crazy how all of a sudden like some of these teams and I'm I'm happy because we were very happy, like high on Georgetown, right? And there's a lot of things that like very easily could have gone wrong. You know, Scrig does not, you know, deliver on upside. You know, one of the graduate transfers isn't as great as maybe we thought. But if they're running this well with really four women who each project to be in their top six by the end of the season, I'd be very, very encouraged. So um shout out to Georgetown. Great team. And again. If I'm UNC, I'm not panicking. Like, to be very clear, there's no panic button anywhere. I still think they can be a top 10 team. I just would be interested to see now how they handle a larger field um, is all.
0: I I agree. Um, A few other hits in this race. Um, NAU didn't send a a fully loaded roster. Had uh, Nikita Moore finish eighth uh, and a few other decent results. Villanova had a rough day. Um, just not, not their best performance. Hopefully they can improve. Um, I think their top finisher was Lydia Oliveira, uh, finishing 14th. Uh, anything else before we move on to the men's side?
1: Yeah, I, I do think we kind of need to talk a little bit about Villanova. Um, because I, I did mention the article. I'm a little concerned about that. Um, they didn't run well, not good. like Ol- Oliver should have been top 10. Hellway should have been probably at least top 25. I thought Cardizzi should have been top 25, um, and you know, for Oliveira it's like, okay, you know, she's proven enough, like one race isn't going to determine her season, B- but Villanova's depth was a problem last year. It certainly limited them. And so for Helway and for Gardizi to be a bit further back is concerning in my eyes. The, the counter to that though is like, and I, I think I, I said this one time about like the Purdue men, um, and when they finished like 29th at the NCAA championships one year, it's almost better that everyone just didn't run well, because I think it's it's very clear that they're all better than this. Like, how is a 958 steeplechaser? She has to be, like, she will be better. I'm convinced of it. Um, it's just a matter of how much better she is, how much better Gardizi is, how much better uh, Oliver is when six Sadie uh, Sixth, I don't even know how to say her name, Sadie Sixth, am I saying that right?
0: Your guess is as good as mine.
1: (laughs) And then Maggie Smith, you know, when they come back into the lineup, what does this lineup look like with Oliver running as well? So just, just cautious about Villanova, but I just struggle to believe that they won't, their back end won't be better in future races.
0: It's one of those performances where their second race of the season, I feel like is going to be a Big telltale sign of yeah. how their overall season goes because they need to rebound in a big way to kind of put things back on track. And if we see another performance like this, I, I am hesitant to say that we'll see anything better.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. But um all right, but that's all I have on the women's side uh, there. Also, Sarah, uh, Sarah Schmidt of Indiana ran well.
0: Yes. All right, let's go to the men where North Carolina took home the win, um, beating Georgetown. Again, in this race, uh, NAU were third, Miami, Ohio, fourth. Um, but the, the story, uh, at least in the individual side, was NAU going one, two, three with Theo Quacks, Santiago Prosser, and Kang Newk, Um taking down Parker Stokes and a few other strong men in this field. Where do we want to start? We want to start on the individual side, team side. What do you think? Uh
1: let's start individual. I think that's probably fair, um, given what Theo Quacks did. And and I kind of mentioned in the preview, like, hey, you know, if everyone is as high on Stokes as we think they are, um, he should be favored. But Theo Quacks could have was certainly in contention to win that race. That doesn't totally surprise me. Unless you disagree
0: no no i i think he was kind of the the x factor in this field of someone who had the potential to win someone who had the potential i think to finish 10th depending on on what kind of fitness he's in and clearly he's in great shape but where where do you see him now in nau's lineup because i think he was someone that was a fringe like seven eight kind of guy does this really influence the way you see him all that much
1: um, I mean, I think he's a solidly six seven okay. at least. Um I, I think it really kind of depends on how good is Stokes, right? And I think we we kind of got a little bit of slack there for um you know, for not ranking him in our top fifty when we're like, hey, listen, he's got some solid results, but they're not amazing on the grass. And yes, an eight eighteen steeplechaser is certainly worthy of National Caliber attention, but you you just kind of have to show it first. And I think him winning this race would have been a really good starting point to make that argument. I don't know if I I still think we have questions as to like, what really is his cross country capacity as a potential top 50 runner. So I think I can't answer that question until I know how much better Stokes is later this season.
0: And I mean, it wasn't even close. Like, I mean, no, beat Stokes by 20 seconds. I mean, and, and I mean, beat his teammate Prosser by eight. I mean, it, this was a dominant, dominant performance. And I think this is a great sign for NAU's depth, which I think was one of the only question marks we had with this team um, was after their really strong top five is who, who is going to fill in those next few spots and how good and reliable are they going to be? We've seen quacks kind of have these really good performances before and then not necessarily put it together in the postseason on the grass. But this is as good of a start as you could have asked for. I think Prosser and New York are some of the biggest surprises of the weekend running as well as they did. And, and now you got to feel like you're in a U.S. 10, probably around 10 guys who you feel comfortable being in that scoring mix.
1: Yeah, uh, scoring mix or varsity mix.
0: I I would say even scoring mix where oh, like you I I, you, you you would be comfortable with Quax being your fifth runner, right?
1: Okay, but I don't know if I'd have ten guys.
0: Okay, well I mean we're probably. Can you, can
1: you name all
0: ten guys? Uh, let's see. I'm gonna go actually say nine instead of ten. So oh, go there. we got we got the top five who mm-hmm. we ranked. Um, I'll go Quax, Prosser, Neok, and Ryan Rath, who I I feel like are all potential fifth scorers
1: yeah I mean I, I guess I, I you have to I guess you have to put Prosser and ne- uh, Neok in there because they also beat Stokes but like I I don't know if I just envisioned a scenario where they're varsity guys or I the, scor- the, the scores really I, they're certainly not scores in my mind I'm sorry they just not for NAU they are for any other team
0: well I guess yeah I guess the way I should frame it is I don't think they will be but I think that all of a sudden, let's say NAU has like four guys get hurt and all of a sudden you need Neok to to score for you. I think they could still win a national championship with him in their fifth, as their fifth spot. I think oh, after this race, on, on, I think we can say that.
1: Hold on, hold on. That's, cause that's a, you got to clarify that statement because this will get aggregated very poorly. Uh, you think NAU could win a national title with Neok as a scorer or Neok as a score with four other varsity guys gone.
0: I like like let's say that their five through nine guys get hurt or five through eight guys get hurt and they still have their top four and you put you plug Neok in there, I think they win an NCAA title still.
1: Okay, that's not okay, that's a
0: I just, just want to clarify as hot of a take there. It, it, but I just i i think I think what I'm trying to say here is NAU's lineup through four is is super strong. um even if one of the or one of their top five guys goes out, I think you have so many reliable options now to replace a one score now that you you don't worry at all about their depth.
1: okay. um, I don't totally disagree on that Nioc take. Um he's just so still new. Like his 1347 was the clear outlier yeah. uh of his like track season. Uh he also ran like 149, by the way. Like fascinating. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think if I'm Quax, I'm solidly now in the top seven. I don't see Prosser or Neok making that top seven um by their next meet. I could be wrong. I don't know how they want to stack that, you know that lineup, but, um, I like quacks a lot. Like I, I, I think there's a a world where quacks is an all American.
0: Oh yeah. I, I absolutely agree. And I, I think what any of you and correct me if I'm wrong, but they've traditionally run some kind of makeshift varsity lineups at conference and regionals. Mm -hmm. So these guys will get another postseason shot before NCAA is to prove whether or not they belong, and I'm, I'm truly fascinated to see, see what they do at either conference or regionals, whatever opportunity they get.
1: All right, so let's let's decide this now. Right now, at this moment, when NAU goes all out and they run their next varsity lineup at the next meet, it's going to be Young, Bosley, probably Solomon, assuming yeah. he's not redshirted, Kusha, Hasty, and then, stop me where you think I'm wrong, Quacks and Raph yeah Mm -hmm.
0: cool and and i i I think the way they run way coach smith runs his lineup he likes to give everybody a shot and i think those those guys after not running with the exception of quacks are going to get their opportunity get the opportunity to keep their spots
1: yeah it's crazy how some like how good some of these guys are
0: it's crazy it's unbelievable i I mean if if these guys like prosser neo turn into something even if it's not this year then like then in the next two years, that's huge for this program as they kind of turn over a lot of talent.
1: Yeah. That's so impressive. Could you imagine just having that kind of talent on your rock? Could you imagine beating an 818 steeplechaser and you're like, I don't know if you're getting, he might make the varsity lineup. I don't know. Maybe like that's so crazy. So that that's all I have on that.
0: Ridiculous. All right. On the team side, um, as I mentioned, North Carolina took home the win. Um I it, they didn't have their full lineup right. I I didn't see Parker Wolf and a and a few others, Ben Fleming um in this lineup, and they had Patrick they,
1: Anderson.
0: And Patrick Anderson, that's right. Um and they still take down uh I, I think like a fully loaded Georgetown team. I, I think this is a good sign for North Carolina's depth that they didn't have necessarily a lot of people up near the top five. But, I mean, the way this field played out, I, I think they did about as well as you could have asked. Marshall Williamson, John Tater, eight nine, Will Coogan, 5th. You throw in three, those three guys that sat out, you've got to feel good about that top six.
1: Yeah, that Tatter, Coogan, Williamson trio that all finished in the top ten, that was a really solid group. And those were actually the same three men who I predicted to be in our top ten. Um, So I was... Very happy that I, I was like, I, it's like, it's like, it could be any combination of those five guys. Yeah. I have no idea who they were going to be. I was like, I think it's going to be these three guys. And sure enough, it was, Uh, but that was, that could have gone any way, shape or form. But yeah, if I'm, if I'm UNC, I'm pumped right now. I mean, you don't have Wolf, you don't have Anderson, who are presumably your top two guys. And if you're looking at last year's like ACC results, mm-hmm. then Fleming is your third guy. And Fleming apparently he had minor surgery, according to his Instagram. Um, he's back running, uh, apparently, according again to Instagram. So he might actually be back this season, which is super encouraging and, and great for UNC's postseason hopes. But yeah, like I'm, I'm excited for UNC after that. Like we think that's a fully loaded georgetown squad yeah so if they took him about down by five points with a group of guys that some of them won't even even be in the varsity lineup by this time two months from now it's impressive
0: does this raise north carolina's ceiling in your mind all that much i mean i remember us talking about them in the rankings and Feeling like they they didn't have quite of a the highest ceiling as many other teams around them, but do do you think that this one race influences that?
1: Oh, I completely disagree. I thought they had the highest ceiling in the country.
0: Maybe but, I'm misremembering I, this conversation.
1: Hey, I, definitely the
0: women's side. I don't know. That's, I think
1: they both. Here's my my general rule of thumb is that when you have a very young lineup as UNC does, you are almost the room for improvement from a younger runner is almost certainly higher than that of an established veteran um, so I disagree. I always thought they had the highest ceiling. I'm pretty sure I said um, I could see them being a top seven team
0: yeah you you see, i I don't feel like I ever felt like they could have been a top seven team
1: i i mean i hundred percent said that in, in an article or no no in a, in an article and on a podcast with you to which you were like poof yeah damn it, how could you um no i was yeah. i was very high on unc
0: yeah and i i i guess this is where we differ like i i think that they could possibly be a top 10 team after this but that's about as high as i'm willing to go like i I just, even, even though they put down a really good showing, I still have concerns about how they'll do at NCAAs. But I, I, again, this does raise their ceiling in my mind quite a bit.
1: I think, I, I think I said this, I think I said, but for as high as their ceiling is, their floor is just as low. Um, because I think, you know, with that youth comes risk and it becomes, yeah. you know, you don't always have that same history of consistency or experience or understanding of the courses of the competition. So I, I think there was some inherent risk, especially because we didn't exactly know what this back end of the lineup is going to look like. But now if I just have three guys in the top 10 of this race and knowing that I probably have three other scores sitting out, I feel pretty confident about what UNC can now bring to the table. I still have some back end concerns. I don't think they're a perfect team, but man, they really like they they checked every box, man. They did really well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think I'm definitely getting closer to where you are after this race. It'll probably take another one or two for me to to really feel like they have the ceiling that you do. Um any other teams here? I mean, Georgetown, Solid run. Overall, um losing to North Carolina shorthanded has got to sting a little bit um but but not a terrible result, like we said, we wish Pride Stokes was a little bit higher, but at the end of the day he i mean he wasn't that far off,
1: yeah, like if I'm Georgetown, like you gotta be a little disappointed, a little frustrated because not only that, like you're also gonna be in the same region with Princeton with Villanova. If you get into a scenario where you're bumped out to the third uh, spot at a regional meet and you don't have many Coloss points, this could have been a massive, massive, massive opportunity for Georgetown to beat UNC and to get a Coloss point because we are extremely confident that UNC will get into the national meet and produce yeah. some kind of Coloss points for whichever teams that beat them. So if I'm Georgetown, I'm not thrilled about that result. Now, at the same time, Stokes... Still solid, Sean Laidlaw, really solid as well. I think he was a transfer from uh, Johns Hopkins a couple seasons ago. Quinn Nicholson, really beginning to come into his own. Like that's not a bad top three, and the supporting cast isn't terrible either. And they didn't run like a couple of their superstar freshmen. I, I don't think like the sky's falling apart for Georgetown. Um, they still have a lot of work to do, but yeah, they they, they probably they probably I think we should have won that race.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Coloss perspective is, is interesting because it's it's not every day that you get that close to, to getting a point this early in the season, and, and right. I'm sure they'll be kicking themselves for that a little bit. All right, you ready to move on to the John McNichols invite? Let's do it. All right, on the women's side, we saw the Illinois uh, women take down Toledo by three points. Olivia Howell took home the win convincingly by 12 seconds in this 5K really strong performance from uh, Illinois going head to head with a Toledo team that we had in our rankings and in basically what was a dual meet through 11 runners, Illinois just edged them out. And and how looks like maybe that low stick we we were hoping she could be.
1: Yeah, she was great. And, you know, it's not like she just beat a, Team with like solid scores and decent depth, like um, you know Faith Linga and Joy Cheer two really good runners. I mean Cheer ranked in her top fifty, so um, for her to take them down, especially after you know a year where, well, really a, a career I should say, where she's more of a miler. Yep, and that's just kind of like where she's thrived, and she it's not like she's been bad on the grass, but she has certainly not been to a level where she's going to be winning these races. So if she keeps this up, that's huge for Illinois, where. You know Emma Milburn was all who was also really solid in this race. You know they have depth and they have pieces and like they can put something good together. But they really needed a scoring spark, and for how to potentially potentially be that runner it is huge.
0: And to do it at Terre Haute too, which is mm-hmm. a true cross country course. This isn't just some flat track like Louisville or um, the Alabama course that that they ran on this weekend. Like this is a legitimately. Difficult course that ostensibly does not suit a middle distance runner, and and for her right. to succeed at at that level, obviously it'll be interesting to see how she can do at the six k level in a more competitive, nationally competitive field. But I, I think she checked off as many boxes as she could on this weekend, beating the the women she did, and running the time and and competing as well as she did on that course
1: yeah and really the the entirety of this lineup ran well. Um, mm-hmm. you know you look at, like I said, Emma Milburn, third place That's another great finish for her. Um, you know, they had a few other women I'm taking a look through here at the results. Uh, Haley Hill in fifth place. you know, they had a, a couple of women go down to like Sam and in uh, eighth place, uh, they had uh, Madison Mirasco uh, in ninth. you know solid group, um, but I'll, I'll be interested to see how they do it like on a larger field. Um, that'll certainly be capturing my attention. Toledo, I think there's, I think there's room. Like, I think they could have realistically won this race.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the low sticks could have been better. I think their middle line of scores could have been better, and I think their back end could have been better. Um, it would be, I'll be interested to see how they do in a larger field. But I think just when I look at every aspect of this, I'm thinking, I think Illinois ran a great race, but Toledo certainly has room to improve just based on the potential that we know each of these women have especially because they didn't really run many of their top rookies who have really you know made some noise in their recruiting class so um, I, I still like Toledo
0: yeah I think this is one of the rare races where I think both teams leave feeling pretty good about themselves mm-hmm. like I, I don't I, I'm sure Toledo would have loved to take home the win pick up a possible cold loss point if Illinois qualifies for NCAAs, Like. I, that all those things would have been great, but I, I I don't think there's too much for them to be upset about. They went, they alternated with Illinois through three runners. I mean, they they had their fourth runner instead in front of Illinois's fourth. Like they they gave themselves a shot, and I, it, it's hard to say anyone ran poorly. I, I think this is just a solid opener that could have just been a, a few seconds better, and, and they they take home this win. But I don't think there's a lot to be upset about.
1: I agree. I, I didn't really think of it, uh, about it from that perspective. But yes, I would say that both of them are in some way, shape, or form winners with air quotes.
0: Yeah. Um, anything else on this race? Uh, no, it's it. Did you want to say anything about the men's race? I, I mean, Illinois took home the win over Toledo. This this field is a, a lot weaker, though, on, than the women's was.
1: Yeah, no, I don't really think there's a whole lot there, mainly because the team implications weren't as significant. So uh, we could move on if you want.
0: All right, let's go to uh, the UVA invite where the Virginia men trounced the Duke men. Um, they went, let's see here, Virginia took the top, for the top five spots, um, Justin Watchell took home the win. Yasin Sato second. Um, and, and really, this was such a palate cleanser for this Virginia men's team who really struggled last year. And, and to come out and dominate the way they did, have so many of their their kind of top guys look strong. And for Justin Watchell to be kind of a little bit of a surprise performer, I, I think this went... Uh, about as well as you could have asked for if you're a cavalier fan
1: yeah yeah like I, i'm you know hey i went to virginia tech virginia is our arch rival and i can't help but be like man good job uva like that was impressive stuff um they they were like bad last year mm-hmm. um, that's not my virginia tech bias showing that's just like they were not great um it was just surprising because you they had the pieces and now all of a sudden it's like, they're completely different. Um, Rohan Aspa continues to be great. Yasin Sato looks like he's really stepping up from a steeplechase performances. Mm-hmm. Wes Porter looks like he can translate some of his track success. They've got some dudes and Oh, by the way, they didn't run Gary Martin who everyone yeah. knows as a sub five, sub four minute miler. Um, but he's also great on the grass, like very good on the grass. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I try not to get too excited about these kind of results. It's an early season meet. It's a clear one through four scoring sweep. I know there's like a random unattached runner in third. But, I, I mean, they, they beat a really good Duke team. Like, that was a good Duke team that they beat. Like, which included, you know, Zach Kinney and Nick Dahl was in there. I think Chris Theodore, mm-hmm. maybe one other name. There's some dudes, and Jack Miller of Pitt and Eight Forty Eight sequel Chaser. So, like, it's not like there was like no names that they were just running through. I'll be interested to see how they do in a larger field. It's really hard to get a gauge on this, but like, I I don't know how you can't. I don't know how you come away with anything else other than positives if you're Virginia and Justin Walkel.
0: Yeah, I I would have liked to see Virginia have a have a fifth guy a little bit further up. It, it's rare you see a team win so convincingly and yet Duke put five in front of Virginia's fifth. Um, it, it, if we can just get someone to be up with that top four and maybe Gary, Gary Martin is that guy. I, I think there's a lot of reason to believe that he can be. Um, I think you feel a little bit more comfortable because even if this group isn't as far up in a, a nationally competitive field, if they're all around each other and they can be a solid pack, then that really limits how far down they can fall in team scores.
1: Yeah, and it, it's not only that, but it's like you look at Wachtel's like track resume, and outside of this one 5 k PR he had from the spring, he ran like 30.14 for 10k, 8.32 in the 3k, 14.13 5k, 3.49, 1500, 4.11 mile, 8.31 3k. They weren't the craziest times. Like, the, mm-hmm. they're like, fine for you know the highest levels of division one and you know the other levels they're really solid times but you know it's not like it's not like they were like oh you're going to be a top three scorer on this team in 2022 so that's why i'm just so a little cautious just because you don't always see leaps as significant as what maybe this early season rust buster would suggest still cautious but man i i would be very encouraged if i was uva
0: Absolutely. All right. Anything else from this meet before we move on? Uh, do we want to go to the women's side? Sure. Um, on the women's side, we saw Virginia narrowly beat Duke. Um, Amina Matog took home the win for Duke pretty convincingly. Um, I, What are your thoughts on this? I, I, It was interesting to see Emily Cole back in eighth. Would have liked to see her a little bit further up. But uh, other than that, I, I didn't have too many thoughts.
1: Um, uh, so Matog is a, or Matug, I don't know how you're saying that from the Netherlands, new name, her times, Ben, I don't know if you've heard, if you've, you've seen this 203 for 800 meters, two, one, 245 for 1000 meters and 414 for 1500 meters. Oh my. She is very good. Um, so like, this is like no fluke. And no. I think that's a name to potentially monitor this season as like a, Hey, she could be very, very good. Um, Virginia deserves some respect because I didn't give them any credit in the first thoughts article and someone was not happy about it. But, um, like there, there, it was a solid team. I don't think it was anything exciting, but I think they, you know, I think, I think that's a very good Duke team that they beat and they beat them without Mia Barnett. So if I'm Virginia, I'm very encouraged. I still think they have a ton of work to do. I can't help but really like the Stuke squad though. I just think I love all their pieces that they have in that top five.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, if you can have a legitimate low stick and you add that to all the depth that they have, and, and I mean, clearly it sounds like Matu has the track credentials, and if she can translate to the grass in her first NCAA season going up against top competition, then that changes the outlook for them quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean I I don't know if I see either of these teams qualifying for the national meet but and, and maybe it's my you know my bucknell bias um I I do I I have met Ashley Ramos and Carly Forker right like I I do know who those women are but I also know that like they're nice pieces for what this Duke team could accomplish right so while I do like this I I think I also like Delia Frias like you know of of this entire group the potential that she brings to this team if she ends up joining what uh Matug uh, does the season do becomes a little more interesting, especially depending on how Emily Cole translates her steeple success.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, let's go to the North Alabama showcase, uh, where we saw the Alabama men take home the win over Kentucky. Um, Alabama's top trio went one, three, and five, Victor Kiprock taping home the win and Hillary chariot. And Elliott kept saying, filling out that third and fifth spot. Not, not flashing the warning lights quite yet, but would have liked to see Alabama go one, two, three in this race. Uh, I mean, South Alabama's, uh, Karami Iago and, and Tegan Flanagan ran great races to finish second and fourth. You look at their credentials, you compare them with Chariot and Kip saying, and they don't exactly balance the scale again. Nothing to be too worried about, but something to monitor moving forward because, as we all know, Alabama's success is so tied up in the top three being very, very good.
1: Yeah, I am not going to overreact to this. It's a fast course. It's, it's a weird field. I'm not going to put too much stock into this, but everything you just said, I, I agree with. Would have liked to see them go one, two, three. Um,
0: yeah, and the rest of their, their lineup wasn't great. Um they did have uh Brady Grant finish sixteenth. They didn't run a whole lot of guys um that that could be potential scores. Kentucky didn't have a, a great day. I would I, I would have thought that they, they would have had a few of their guys within the top ten. Um but outside of that, I don't have too much more on this race.
1: No, I don't either. But I also just want to note, I don't think Alabama ran a couple of their back end guys, like I don't think they ran Carson Burian or uh, Hunter Jones or Jacob Wiggers, so it's I think there's still a lot more back end support that they can bring in. We'll just see um, if that's the case when they run uh, probably one of the bigger meets.
0: Yep. On the women's side, Alabama took home the win despite not running a lot of their top names um, over Kentucky. Perry Bachrath uh, for Kentucky took home the win over Hilda Olomomi. Uh, of Alabama. Tori Herman was third in this race as well. I, I think a solid sign for Alabama that despite not running their Mercy Chinlane guy and a few other of their top names that they can still compete with a, a decent Kentucky team. Uh, one that I thought probably should have won this race, um, but a, a team that's very solid nonetheless.
1: I'm a big fan of Perry Bachrath, and she was very good last fall very good i think she was a top what 15 runner at her conference and regional meet um and now runs 952 in the steeple this past mm-hmm. spring like takes down this field like she beats her own teammate herman who we have ranked very highly yeah um so i i mean like i the the case against perry bachrath is becoming increasingly harder to make like i i I'm now wondering like, Oh man, is she a top 50 name? And it also depends on how you view uh, Hilda Alamani or Chibet, you know, her, her, she has varying names, but I mean, if I'm Alabama, like you don't always really know what you're going to get with some of the Juco runners. So for her to come in and beat Tori Herman, even if we think this is a simple rust buster, really encouraging sign. Cause now I think, okay, she's not just like a barely a top 130 runner. She's probably closer to a, Comfortable top 100 runner, and maybe even like top 70, 80. Now to begin to progress into the season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, Valkreth was 111th at NCAA's last year, and that's it seems like the absolute floor for her. I, I think that this race shows that she should be a lot closer to that top 50 area. And if if Hilda Lamoy can be anywhere near that, that gives Alabama such better scoring potency on the back end of their lineup.
1: Yeah. I mean, and we'll also see how some of these other women uh do, like I think Sam McDonald and Crawford West and um there's one other name home complete. Oh, Jasmine Baker from I believe the Netherlands, the nine fifty five steeplechaser. There's a lot of potential back and support there as well. So um yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But Alabama looking really good and in Kentucky, if they can find the right pieces at their back end to support Herman and Bachrath that could be an exciting group. I I am rooting for Kentucky.
0: All right, let's wrap it on that meet and let's go to the Adidas XC Challenge where we saw NC State on the women's side run a lot of their top names. Uh, Samantha Bush took home a win, Marley Starloper second and Maria Howlett in third. Uh, We also saw Savannah Shaw and uh, Giona Corzo run in this race. We, of course, didn't see uh, Kelsey Camille or Caitlin Tuey and a few others, but a, a strong race out of the gate for this NC State team, who we believe could be historically good, and they certainly didn't show any signs that that will not be the case this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to say from this race, I do think it was just important to touch on it? Interesting to see Savannah Shaw um, a little bit further back
0: mm-hmm. from
1: that whole Starliper Howlett. I mean, Howlett had a you know, really nice race of her own. Um, I think a lot of people, understandably so, um, have been really high on Shaw this fall because of her 1534, 1533 5K PR from the past spring. And so I, I can understand anyone saying, oh, she's also, you know, a top 50 name. She was almost a top 50 name for us. Um, but I think it's just the, hey, we just kind of want to see can what can you do on the grass, right? Uh, she's been f- solid on the grass, never really amazing on the grass, so I think we're still trying to to gauge that. And I think this kind of result, to be clear, it's not bad, by any means bad, but I think it just kind of reflects those uh, that uncertainty that we have with her for this fall.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, she was 38 seconds behind Bush. I think Bush and Starlipper were, were clearly the class of this field. Um, and, and I think that just shows there there is a little bit of a gap there. Not to say that that couldn't close on a different day or throughout the season, um, but like you said, the, the experience on the grass and the success that's been on the grass previously, uh, I think is showing through for some of these women rather than for Shaw, And and that could absolutely change. But at the end of that, the, the NC state women, they have so many options that you're going to have to be on your a plus game to be a scorer for this team.
1: All right. So I'm going to move us to the men, um, bigger winners, NC State, knowing that they have a concrete, solid top five, just based on this Rustbuster buster and mm-hmm. maybe based on a few other names, or Micah Gilpatrick uh, taking home that win.
0: I think I'll go with Gilpatrick. He he had a really good track season last year, um, and, and didn't had, ran a really fast ten k. Um, didn't have great postseason success, um, but is someone that I think is going to be quietly a uh, at least a top 100 name this year, um, and, and for him to take down this field um, by over six seconds over Brett Gardner, I, I think this establishes him as someone who could be maybe not quite to the level as Frugal Curtin was for Charleston Southern last year, but someone who could be a, quite the approximate for them this year.
1: Um, I'm going to say NC State. I like Gilpatrick a lot. I I, I do think he could be really good. Um, but they didn't have Shanklin. They didn't have Kokomar. Yep. They didn't have a couple guys, really. And so for them to kind of all run as a quote-unquote collective group, I don't really know how, you know, by the times, how much how good they really were, but it was encouraging. Like I think a lot of NC State's uh, success this fall is going to be heavily based on how good Brett Gardner is. So this was an encouraging rust buster for him. Um, I, again, I don't think you can draw any major conclusions, but just seeing that he's fit enough to kind of be up there in, in the top two, three section. I think that was, uh, that was good to see. So um, yeah, so you might be right on your end, but I, I think there was a lot of positives that you could take away from NC state.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I I'm curious to see how this translates in a bigger field and across AK. Um, so it's hard to draw too many conclusions out of this, but it is good to see they had, four guys within basically 20 seconds of each other um i think which is a good start do we want to hit on any other meets before we wrap it up do we want to briefly touch on the MSU Spartan invite sure i do not have that pulled up i do so i can right, let's actually ahead. just
1: talk about the uh the women here because i think the men um not very d1 centric from that uh perspective uh, so let's we'll just talk about the women the women Michigan State taking home the win despite losing so many women uh, from last year. They go 1, 2, three, uh, 5, 9, 10, what is that, 13 in the overall results. Uh, in the scoring, they have 7 in the top 11. Grand Valley State um, all the way back in uh, 71st, although it says that they placed 3rd. In the over, I don't know how you. There's are the no, there's team.
0: no second team there. So there's no
1: second team there, um, unless they the system counted all of these. Um, oh wait, oh that's interesting there. An attached. Yeah, so it might that might be what it was there. Um, so yeah, um, is what it is. But um, yeah, I thought it was a great performance from Michigan State. I thought they, you know, really needed to rely on a lot of. Uh, youth and a lot of women stepping up and a lot of depth and a lot of things going right. Grand Valley State's a very good team. I don't mm-hmm. think Grand Valley State had the best race ever, but if I'm Michigan State, I'm very encouraged by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't think there's anything bad you can say. I, I, again, will be curious to see what they can do in a bigger field, but I think this is about as good of a start as you could have done. I, I It is interesting to, for me to see a lot of these women's teams running 6K from the get-go now. Um, and, and I'd be curious to see if that we we haven't really seen that translate on the men's side, where you see a lot of people necessarily running 8K from the get go. A lot of these, uh, uh, probably half and half uh, of the races we've talked about today have been 6Ks for the men or 8Ks. Um, I, it's just an interesting thing, especially as there's more and more discussion about maybe bridging the distance gap between men and women.
1: Yeah, and I think that actually the, the fact that Michigan State Grand Valley State it, it was run on six k, I think that kind of encourages me more. Yeah, you know, knowing that like you this this is a six k, it's not like you have to still race the extra one k, right? So that's why I, I'm really excited about what Michigan State can do there. I was admittedly a little concerned when we ranked them. I think at what twenty one, twenty two, something like that. Um, but this was encouraging. It was a nice start. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, a bigger meet. You know, they'll have to see how they do there, but. Nice start to the season for them.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's wrap it there. That was a good, uh, really, second week of action for us to recap. Um, I, I am fascinated to see uh, these teams as we get into some bigger meets, into some bigger fields, uh, and, and really be able to have some uh, more analysis, really be able to compare teams a little bit more. And that and then we get to see our rankings shake up a little bit more and, and have those arguments.
1: Yeah, I've already had, uh, had a couple people, had John actually uh, starting to look at some of the scheduling, um, see like, hey, you know when are we going to be doing our rankings and whatnot? Um, so trying to you know, figure that out. But we've also got tons of content on the site, a lot of recent analysis on some of these races, D1, D2, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, D3 analysis will have already been posted, uh, and D3, or so Wednesday... So after D3 analysis on Tuesday Wednesday, we've got our uh, fun little unveiling. We've got a nice little thing going on there. Um, then we've got meat previews. We've got Cowboy Jamboree. We've got Roy Gryak. Um, I get to see Ben. Uh, yes. So I'll actually be in Chicago for a wedding. I'll get to see Ben. We'll grab, uh, grab a bite. And uh, yeah, so f- FYI, if you're listening to this, just know that Saturday analysis might be replaced with a quick solo effort from me trying to put in, you know, 30 minutes or so of just quick thoughts from some of the meets that we see. Um, And then Sunday we'll kind of get back into the swing of things with written content. And of course, with a, another, another pretty significant portion of our site that we'll be unveiling. So um, that's it. Leave a rating review, Ben, anything else?
0: Uh no that's it. Can can I say the the thing and you can just have Wyatt bleep it out and, and, and really like make people wonder what it is all the more?
1: Ben, I promise you you we don't need to bleep out to uh use code TSR thirty at Biosteel, all right? I don't think you need to, we don't need to bleep that out. Go to biosteel.com, TSR30, use that code, get 30% off on your hydration mixes, power uh, drinks, and uh, protein as well. I use it. It's phenomenal. Ben got his stuff recently too.
0: I do. And I use, I use the hydration mix after, after runs. So it's, it's been a great new addition to the lineup.
1: Excellent. Love it. Ben, that's all I got though.
0: All right. Well, until next week, Garrett, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.